This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. But what on earth does that mean? What does it mean for us to say, God is with us? John was a student at the University of Colorado along with Bishop Bill Fry, an old friend of ours. John was like all of the rest of the students except for one thing, he was blind. Bill used to read to him one afternoon a week so he could stay up with his classes. One day Bill asked John how he had lost his sight and he told him about an accident that had happened to him when he was a teenager. After that, John told him he gave up on life. But that didn't sound like the man Bill had come to know, so he asked what else had happened to change his attitude. And John told Bill this story. When the accident happened and I knew that I would never see again, I felt as if my life had ended. I was bitter and angry at God for letting it happen. And I took, it out, my, I took out my anger on everyone around me. I decided that since I had no future, I wouldn't lift a finger on my own behalf. I would let others take care of me. I stayed in my bedroom and refused to come out except for meals. One day, in exasperation, my father came to my room. He told me he was fed up with my self-centered pity party. Winter is coming, he said. It's always been your job to put up the storm windows, so get them up by supper tonight or else. He slammed the door and left. He made me so angry, I decided that I would show him Muttering and cursing, I groped my way out to the garage, found the storm windows, a stepladder, all the necessary tools, and went to work. He'll be sorry when I fall off the ladder and break my neck, I thought. But little by little, feeling my way around the house, I got the job done. And then John stopped. And his sightless eyes misted up as he told Bill, I later discovered that at no time during the day had my father ever been more than five feet from my side. And that's not just a story about John's father, but also about our Heavenly Father. God is always with us, even if we don't have the eyes of faith to see it. Now, one person who has remarkable eyes of faith is our daughter, Rachel. She has an ability to see God at work in ways that amaze me. Some years ago, we were flying out of the airport in Phoenix, Arizona. We're traveling on one of those small regional jets, and so the final escalator was very narrow, just one person wide. And it was difficult to navigate, especially since we're each pulling a rollaway bag behind us. Angela and I had managed to squeeze our bags in behind us, but Rachel was caught by surprise. Her bag got caught at the top, pulled her down, and she fell backwards onto the moving stairs, badly gashing the back of her legs on the metal teeth. Stunned, she lay there in pain as she was being dragged to the bottom of the escalator. 
I was already at the bottom, saw what had happened and shouted to Rachel to get up. Angela joined me and called to her as well as praying furiously. And just in time, Rachel pulled herself up and in tears staggered off at the bottom. As we collected ourselves and assessed the damage, I wondered if we should go back and seek medical help. But Rachel was determined to go on and so we boarded the plane. As we sat in our seats, I was across the aisle from Rachel and I noticed that she was looking out of the window and smiling and nodding as if she was talking to someone. It seemed to reassure her and so I said nothing. Afterwards, she told me that she'd seen a man in white robes outside her window. It was Jesus, she said, and he told her that she was healed. And I looked at the back of her legs and the deep gashes had disappeared. She had been completely healed. God is always with us and some of us get to see. From the beginning, God has sought ways to assure us that he's with us, but often we are unable or unwilling to see. Remember Moses? God first revealed himself to Moses through a burning bush. And when Moses went to inspect this remarkable sight, God called to him out of the bush, Hey, Moses, Moses, come here. And he said, Here I am. And then God said, Do not come near. Take the sandals off your feet the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. But afterwards, Moses knew he had been in the presence of God. But now he had the task of convincing everyone else. But God helped out. He gave him some powerful signs, especially including a remarkable wooden staff that turned into a serpent and back again. I've always wanted one of those. <laughs> the people were impressed for a while. Mel signs and wonders followed as the people of Israel were delivered from slavery in Egypt and made their way across the Red Sea and headed for the promised land. God then declared that Mount Sinai would be the place where all of the people would know that he was in their midst. The mountain was set apart. It was consecrated because God was there in a special way. This was the place where they were to receive the tablets and stone on which were written the Ten Commandments. This was the place where the priests and the elders were consecrated and where God's covenant with his people was confirmed. This was the place where the glory of the Lord dwelt and, and appeared like a devouring fire. It was a holy place. But they were called to be a holy people who were on the move. And so they had to leave. And so God instructed them to build a tabernacle, a portable reminder that God was always with them. And God gave very detailed instructions on how to design and build it. And, and there's a wonderful passage at the end of the book of Exodus where we're told that the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Truly, the Lord was with them not as some vague and distant creative spirit, but as a real and distinct personality. Now notice the progression. First, a burning bush. Next, a mountaintop. And now, a tent of meeting. 
And next, more than 300 years later, they were instructed to build a temple in Jerusalem. This was constructed under Solomon. And at the dedication, the Lord was present in such a powerful way that the priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. But we always need to remember the warnings spoken by Solomon in his prayer of dedication. But will God really dwell on earth with men? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I have built? Solomon was a, well, Solomon was a wise man indeed. And many have forgotten his warning. See, when we talk about knowing God or God being with us, we always need to remember that there is nothing that we know about God that he has not chosen to reveal to us. In no way can we limit him by our feeble minds and structures. He is God, and we are most definitely not. He is the potter. We are the clay. He is the creator of the universe. We are merely creatures who are just blips in time. But we forget. We think we're the center of the universe and think that we can control God. But then God breaks in once again. And our Old Testament lesson refers to one such time. The year is about 730 BC. And King Ahaz is in trouble. Israel was a divided nation and the northern tribes have joined with the enemy and were threatening to invade Jerusalem, and everybody was in panic. It seemed as if the end was near, but the prophet Isaiah stood firm and declared that all would be well. They would be kept safe, if only they would put their trust in God. But that wasn't easy to accept. They were surrounded by their enemies. They could see them. Destruction was imminent. All that they had going for them was this preacher shouting, don't be afraid, trust the Lord. Actually, Isaiah went a lot further. He said, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And my guess is that King Ahab just wished that Isaiah would go away. It was bad enough being faced with imminent destruction but who needs a pushy prophet as well? Isaiah challenged him. Ask the Lord for a sign, big or little. But King Ahaz refused, claiming he didn't want to bother the Lord, but underneath he was terrified and didn't want anyone to know. But Isaiah was not to be silenced, so he declares that the Lord will give him a sign whether he wants one or not. And the sign will be that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son whose name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And as is often the case with biblical prophecy, it was fulfilled both in the near term with the birth of a child who would witness the destruction of Israel's enemies and also in a fi final fulfillment in the birth of the Messiah. You see, Jesus is the ultimate sign that God is with us. And to know that God is with us means that we do not need to be afraid of anything. If God be for us, who can be against us? Whatever the circumstances. 
if God is with us, we don't need to be afraid. Amen? Amen. I had to tell the early folks that amen doesn't mean, oh dear, he's almost finished. It's not true at all. <laughs> amen means, yes, I agree. Amen? amen? You see, I grew up Baptist in England where we shout a little bit, and not like Anglicans who kind of cough their amen. amen. <laughs> so I want to hear a good, vigorous amen. The windows need to shake a little. Amen? Yeah. Mm, much better. Yona Mwendi was a friend of ours during our time at Virginia Seminary in the 1970s. He was a priest from the Church of Tanzania who came to study at great personal cost. He came alone and had to leave his family, his wife, and their eight children behind. I'll never forget the first day we met. It was the official meet and greet the dean. In those days, deans were very impressive. <laughs> Oh, uh. <laughs> and the cultural expectations of the meeting were very clear. Each student was to give your name, your sending diocese, and your gratitude to be a student and in the dean's presence, and then sit down. Yona didn't get the message. He thought he'd been invited to share his testimony, and so he did. He told how he came to faith in Jesus Christ and then how the Lord had delivered him from certain death. It seemed that he had been walking back to his village when he was stopped by a group of armed terrorists who demanded that he renounce his faith or they would execute him there and then. And they brandished their guns to make sure he knew they were deadly serious. He told them he could not renounce his faith, because the Lord Jesus had given him new life. But he asked if he might pray for them before they killed him. And without waiting for their answer, he knelt on the ground, closed his eyes, and began to pray. And Yona told us with a smile, it was a long prayer. <laughs> he thanked the Lord for saving him, and he begged the Lord to have mercy upon his killers and to forgive them for their actions. As he prayed, eyes firmly closed, he heard footsteps. And when he opened his eyes, he was alone. The gunman had left, and his only companion was his heavenly father, to whom he gave heartfelt thanks. It was quite a testimony. It literally transformed that class. If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Christ, we recognize it's not simply an event to celebrate and then move on, but a profound reminder that this world, our world, has been forever changed. It is a sign, a promise, a testimony that we are not alone. God is with us. And he will never, ever abandon us. Now, we do live in unsettled times. People are frightened about the future, worried about the chaos that seems to be closing in on us. But friends, this is nothing new. People were desperately worried at the time of Jesus' birth. 
to the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. God is with us. We no longer need to be afraid. God is with us, and now we have the power to overcome all of our enemies. God is with us, and nothing can possibly separate us from his love. God is with us, and life has been forever changed for good. Amen? Amen. And there's something else. We also have the peace that comes from knowing his presence in our lives. We who have experienced the grace and love of Jesus are at peace with the Father. And because we're at peace with him, we can be at peace with ourselves and with each other. We can put an end to the useless striving to change everyone to conform to our expectations and trust the Lord to work his will in them. If God is with us, then we can live at peace with those around us. And finally, if God is with us, then we have a new purpose in life. We've been commissioned to tell the world this good news, that God is with us. Remember that passage at the end of Matthew's Gospel. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now there's power. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. Now, that's a purpose worth living out. And surely I will be with you always, not occasionally, not when it feels like it, not when you're happy. I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. Now, there's peace. One more story, and I'll be through. It took place during our time at Truro Church in Fairfax, Virginia, where I had the great privilege of serving as rector for more than 16 years, from 91 to 2007. A church, frankly, it reminds me of you all. We had the same blessing of large congregation and wonderful spirit-filled worship. And those musicians, by the way, today are pretty impressive. I was very blessed. One evening, there was a knock at the kitchen door. We went and opened the door, and there were two women standing there. We recognized Karen as a member of our congregation, but the other was a stranger, and she looked terrified. I will name her Mary. Karen told us their story. They were neighbors in a nearby apartment building. Mary and her, husb her husband were Muslim immigrants from Eastern Europe and were not doing well. He was very frustrated and angry and abusive, and Karen had heard him beating Mary through the dividing wall. This evening, after a particularly violent fight, he had stormed off, and Mary had come to her for help. And so Karen brought her to us. I knew I was out of my depth. So, of course, I turned to Angela, asked her to take care of it while I went upstairs. And she did. She listened 
prayed, and settled them into our guest room for the night. The next morning, they were all at the kitchen table, and Angela asked Mary how she had slept. And Mary answered that after she had seen the man in white robe standing in the corner of the room with such a gentle smile, she had felt safe and full of peace and had fallen asleep. Angela quickly realized that Mary had been blessed with a vision, a vision, a heavenly vision, a vision of an angel or the Lord himself, and told her so. And then, very gently, she asked Mary if she would like to have that peace every day, every night. And Mary nodded, and Angela carefully and lovingly explained about Jesus and his promise of peace, and after a while led her in a prayer of commitment. It was an amazing moment. They changed Mary's life for good. Now, in the coming days, the police intervened, put her in a safe house, and arrested her husband for a number of offenses. Mary's life wasn't easy, but she knew that God was with her. What about you? Are you convinced that God is with you? convinced deep down today would be a good day to be reassured it's a service that we have in this advent season where we keep reminding ourselves of being coming to us but it's not just a general invitation you can invite Jesus indeed to come and be with you and he'll never ever turn away. He will always be with you. God is with us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this amazing promise testified throughout Scripture that you, the God, the creator of the universe, are willing to come and be with us. Seems so beyond the possibilities, and yet it's true. And it's sealed for us through Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. There's room in our hearts for you. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.